Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. My name is Josh, as always, uh, and we will be taking a look at the West Bromwich Albion game this weekend uh, from the FA Cup fourth round. Uh, we'll also be taking a look at the top five stories of the week, as per usual. So I hope your week was a good one. I hope that you uh, enjoyed a bit of a, a little bit less pressure watching the game uh, this weekend seen a few people unhappy with it, a few people nonplussed by it. Um, but, you know, it wasn't a Premier League game. It wasn't all or nothing. Um, it was just the FA Cup. And I say just because we really should be focusing on staying up right now. Um, just my opinion, of course. But I think that safety is much more important than a cup run. A um, couple of years, time, couple of years, couple of seasons time, I may feel a bit different. But as of right now... Uh, we really need to focus on keeping above uh, 18th place in the Premier League, and we're doing all right in that respect. However, we do need to cover uh, the the fourth round tie um, that's resulted in a replay, 0-0, um, and we'll cover the good, the bad, and the ugly as always. Well, as always. As of right now, we're going to cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, so let's start with the good, as always, that way, that time. Um, the good has to be uh, we we saw a couple of uh, couple of players yesterday that really impressed. Um, Dan Byrne being being the main one. Um, I thought he looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, we signed him from Wigan in the summer, uh, six foot seven centre half, and originally I suppose su- suspected to be our fourth fourth choice centre back. Um, Twenty six years old, uh, a lot younger than Balogun. Um, and probably to play deputy to Balogun, uh, who will obviously in turn play behind Duffy and Dunk. Um, but yesterday, uh, I'm recording on the Sunday, of course, yesterday he really put on an unbelievable performance against championship opposition. Um, he is used to playing at that level. Again, he played at Wigan um, all the way up until the beginning of this month. Um, but his performance was absolutely incredible. Um he looked incredibly comfortable on the ball for such a big guy. Uh, he was really able to pick a pass for, again, such a big guy. Um, he was able to... His reach is just unbelievable. Um, and I think that, you know, that adding that kind of ridiculous amount of height in there is always uh, a bit dangerous for set pieces, both defensively and attackingly, um, because it throws people off with that kind of guy in the middle of the box. So... He was incredible. I thought he was very, very good. He won man of the match. Um, and it's tough to argue with it. Uh, I I do have another one in mind as a possible man of the match, but I can see why people may disagree. Um, but Dan Byrne, fantastic debut. What a fourth choice centre-half we look like we've got. Um, I'm sure he'll play again against West Brom in the replay, um, and he should because it's game time that I think he needs. Uh, yeah, what a what a player. What a uh, What a performance. Um, my next one is Victor Gayacares. Gayacares. Uh, honestly, I've never had more sympathy for Paul Merson in my entire life than having to make sure I try and get these pronunciations correct. Um, so Victor Gayacares uh, is a Swedish international, uh, 20 years old, left winger, striker, seems to be able to do it all. Um, he came on, on in the 71st minute this weekend for Jurgen Lokardia, and uh, I thought he played really well. He got a shot. Uh, he got a shot on target. He got a key pass to his name. Um, he only had 12 touches with the ball, and yet, he, you know, he got some serious chances made. Um, he didn't seem afraid of cutting in or going on the outside on the left. Uh, he looked a lot more comfortable on the left. He did start out on the right, and I think that was just the way we were positioned. 
at the time he came on. Um, Noki was on the left, uh, but he looks very comfortable on the left-hand side. And honestly, just from that performance alone, um, I think he really should be in the mix with the current batch of wingers we've got. Uh, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be giving Lacardia, um, Knockart, Izquierdo and March a run for their money. And I, for one, would like to see him in that squad more often. Um, and if anything, I'd probably like to see him start against West Brom on the on the next game. Uh when we play them in the in the replay, because I thought he was incredibly impressive for those 20 minutes. And it's not so much knee-jerk. Uh, it's not such a knee-jerk reaction when you see that we continuously get those kind of reviews from him in the uh, in the reserves. That's where I was going with that. Um, we get those kind of reviews from him in the reserves all the time. So it's clearly not a one-off performance. Um, he's clearly got something about him. Uh, he's a big lad. I like him. He looks really good, so he definitely sticks to my good area of the uh, of the of the podcast. And my final part of the the good um, to me was Bisuma. Uh, it's great to see him back. Obviously, uh, he's been out for a couple of games, so getting that game time in there was vital, uh, especially considering he played the full ninety minutes. I don't expect him to start against Fulham, not at all. Uh, he looked knackered by the end of the game. He'll probably sit on the bench and only in the in the worst of circumstances may play on Tuesday uh, even from the bench I don't think he'll come on but he was he was really good that first 30 minutes of the game he was ridiculous um four shots one on shot one on target five key passes 91 touches uh which is more than anybody else in the game 87.7% pass accuracy uh like the guy had it all yesterday um he looked visibly exhausted from 60 minutes on he didn't run with the same uh same vigor as he had for the first opening hour and he probably should have gone off but i understand that we were probably trying to preserve dale stevens for tuesday so we we did the the correct thing in taking him off for proper instead of basuma but i thought he played incredibly well um he he is one of those players that he looks like he doesn't have control of the ball and he looks like he is constantly um stuck or hounded into a position and i know i've said this a few times but he did it again um he looks like he's hounded into a position he looks like he's crowded out he looks like he doesn't have control and he does three different touches with with his feet and all of a sudden he's like in wide open space and there's three defenders on the floor um he's just unbelievable uh i'm a huge fan of him like he's very quickly becoming one of my favorite players ever to wear a brighton shirt um, I tweeted yesterday and it got quite a bit of attention from uh, a BHAFC hashtag point of view um, saying that I think that if he continues on his trajectory and the way in which he's growing, because remember, he's only 22. Um, I truly think we could end up selling him for more than we paid for the entirety of the Amex, which is slightly over a hundred million pound. Um, Bear in mind that we aren't going to want to sell him anytime soon, uh, but three or four years' time, I don't think that I don't even think that we'll be blinking too hard that we'll be selling him for a hundred million. Um, he he looks a class above every time he's on the pitch, even in the Premier League. Even in the Premier League, even when he looks off the pace, he has this touch about him and this grace about him that just he makes other players look second class, even when he isn't at his best. Um, and he has bad games, just like everybody else. And there are plays, there are definitely, definitely areas in which he has to improve, and he will improve. Um, but 
if he isn't playing 35 out of 38 games next season, I would be stunned. Um, he is going to beat someone out of that team uh, by hook or by crook in the preseason, and he's going to be one of our mainstay midfielders, and I would give him two years of doing that. And I would say by 2022, we're, we're going to be making a disgusting amount of money from him. Um, and it's sad because it, that's how quick he'll get picked up, but he is just something else. And he was my man of the match this weekend, uh, even though he really didn't do a great deal after the in the final half an hour. He was so tired, but that's how good he is. Uh, and yeah, so there you go. There's my good. Um, Bissouma, unbelievable. Dan Byrne, great debut. Gaia Keres, fantastic debut for what it was for the 20 minutes that he was on. I hope to see all of them. Uh, well, Bissouma in the Premier League sooner rather than later again, and I hope to see the other two in the replay at the very least. So let's move on to the bad, um, because obviously there are bad. There is bad. Um, and I think that was probably our front three um, prior to Gaia Keres coming on. Um, and that was Lacardia, Andone, and Knockhart. Um, they're all bad for different reasons, funnily enough. Um, Jurgen Lacardia, we'll start with we'll start with the left and go over to the right. Uh, Jürgen Lacardia didn't honestly I it was about 41 minutes into the game when I remembered that he was our left winger yesterday uh three shots none on target uh one key pass only a 68 percent pass accuracy and boy was that obviously apparent um he had 30 touches of the ball which is barely anything uh from his point of view and there are two there are two sides to this he looked like the player that we saw eight months ago that we were convinced would never cut it in the championship, let alone the Premier League. Um, And yet, I also think from a devil's advocate point of view, um, for instance, Lacardia had 30 touches yesterday. Um, Knockout had 89. (laughs) Um, I just wonder if it was a... If it was an attempt to... Montoya played at left-back yesterday, um, and we'll get to that. Montoya played at left-back, um, and I wonder if it was really just a case of trying to protect Montoya at a position that he's not commonly played in, um, and really focus on the right-hand side as our means of attack. Um, and the reason I say that is because there was such a big disparity between the touches on the left and the right-hand side. We were so focused on the right-hand side Um I mean, Knockout having three times as many touches as Lacardia is outrageous. Um, we were so lopsided, and I think that I, th- I think that he was a product of that failure. But I also think that even when he did have the ball, he was atrocious with it. Um, he wasn't very economical passing the ball, which is totally unlike him from the last six weeks, where he has been spraying the ball around incredibly impressively. Um, he, I mean, I don't even remember his shots, really. Like I remember one or two being blocked, but he was really ineffectual, really poor. And once Gaia Keres came on, you could see the difference um, unbelievably better. So it was definitely a day to forget for him. Um, it was equally a day to forget for Florin Andone. Uh, four shots, one on target, no key passes, 69% pass accuracy, uh, 28 touches of the ball, really didn't have a lot to do. Um, and I think that it really exposed the growth that Andone needs too. Uh, he's only 25 um, and it really kind of vindicated me <laughs> um, and my thoughts that we should have started Glenn Murray this weekend. 
um, and started f- fl- Andone on Tuesday. It obviously doesn't look like that's going to be the case. It obviously looks like Murray will be starting on Tuesday because he only played eight minutes. Um, but I think it was the wrong decision. I think that Andone is really not a player that's used to having a lot of the ball in the final area um, to deal with. And we've seen him succeed at, at the, like on the counter-attack. Um Quick, attacking, incisive football. Um, he is unbelievably dangerous at doing it. And Glenn Murray has been playing for Albion for several years. And for some of those years, we were consistently on top of teams. And, he, you know, he received, he scored 20 plus goals on the year we went up. And I think that really says everything we need to know about the fact that he probably should have started this weekend. I think he would have caused much more of an issue for West Bromwich Albion. Um, I know the argument would have been, well, we've got to get the ball into the box properly first, but I think he, I think he would have been the much better choice. I think that Murray would have scored, maybe scored, um, but he's just better at that, that holding role and piling on the pressure than Andone is. Um, and I was disappointed to not see him start, honestly. Um, and Andone suffered for it and I hope it doesn't hold him back. Uh, going forward I don't think it will but it really showed the the growth Andone needs to have still um, in a team that has a lot of the ball in a, in the final third of the opposition um, he has got a bit of work to do in terms of breaking down defensive uh, defenses and uh, he wasn't as good as he's been in the past so another day to forget for him um, and obviously Anthony Knockart definitely a day for, to forget for him um He's been getting a lot of stick online over the last 24 hours. I've seen it. Uh, and I've, I truly don't think he deserves as much of it as he's been given. Um, four shots, none on target, seven key passes, uh, 86% pass accuracy, 89 touches. Only Basuma had more. Um, he was fed the ball all day long, and he looked like a player that was trying far too hard. Um, and... The problem is, is once he lost the ball, he didn't have the desire or the energy to chase it back. And that's something that he probably lost his place for in the past. And it's one of the reasons he won his place back in the past um, was his defensive ability and what he did. And he's gone off the boil again with that. Um, he, He really looks like a player that is too good for the championship and not consistent enough for the Premier League. Um, I've seen that said a couple of places, and it's somewhere... And it's somewhat... Blah, 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 get my words out. It's actually something that uh, a close friend of mine who's a Leicester supporter said when he was at Leicester. Um, the belief that he was definitely too good for the championship and not good enough for the Premier League. And I think if we were to look to offload any winger this summer, it would probably have to be him. Um, and I think we could get a really good fee for him. Um, if we were to offload him to somewhere like the Bundesliga uh, or the French League, um, we could look at 10, 15 million for him, truly, because I think he would excel over there. Um, and I think he's good enough to do really well over there. And the top teams would probably get a decent performance out of him. Um, so... Yeah, it was a it was a weekend to forget for all of the front three. Um, it just it looked like a bunch of players that didn't didn't have any kind of familiarity with having all the ball and and having to break teams down. And we're going to have to get better at that. And it just showed as a serious weakness. Um, and so I suppose we're on to the ugly, and we only have two ugly 
things to go through. I think ugly number one <laughs> um, was the absolute inability to score a goal. 24 shots, seven on target, I believe, or six on target, zero goals, uh, seven or eight corners, I think. We barely beat the first man every time. Really poor. There isn't much more to be said about that one. Um, it was just crap. We really need to get better at, you know, we can't afford to fluff those chances. Um, and my second ugly is that uh, neither Jay Rodriguez or Gaetan Bong made the squads yesterday. Um, the race row is still obviously uh, fresh in both Albion's minds. Um, and unfortunately, neither player got to play a single minute of football yesterday. Um, and I think it was because they were both protected. Um, whatever it is that you think about uh, Rodriguez or Bong, and I definitely have my own thoughts um, that, you know, aren't important to share here. But to, to realize that the likelihood is that two players who love this sport and play it all the time at a professional level have had to lose a game, uh, lose game time due to the, the race row that they've got. Um, it's pretty gross. Uh, and it needs to be put, like, just wiped away. We need to get over it. Um, whatever you think of Rodriguez or Bong, it shouldn't affect their ability to play against each other. Um, and it was it was crappy to see because it's almost definitely that. And I have no doubt in my mind that if Gaetan, when we line up against Fulham on Tuesday, uh, Bernardo is not yet fit. We know that. I have no doubt in my mind we'll see Gaetan Bong fit and raring to go. And that really just vindicates my point. Um, it was really not, it's really not acceptable to have to see them do that. So that's all I got to say on it. Um, tweet me at me mention me uh if you feel any different to me uh i would love to hear your opinions on that one um but right now we're moving on to the top five stories of the week uh this podcast may go a little bit long we're already at the 20 minute mark almost um so the top five stories of the week i'll try and go through a few of them so i'm not keeping you for too long uh excuse me uh number five transfer market we're still here. It's January, um, and we've had an incoming signing. Uh, but first, we'll talk about Billy Arca. Uh, he's gone back to Emelec, uh, the club we signed him from for the entire year of 2019, not season, calendar year. Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot of him, and I'm hoping that he's not one of those players that disappears into nothing. Uh, Roland Bergkamp, Torbjorn Agdestein, you know, there are, there are a whole plethora of players that we signed as youngsters that never came to anything and I hope he's not one of those uh I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before but football manager doesn't seem to think he's going to be one of those that disappears because he's a wonder kid in uh in football manager maybe our first ever wonder kid Brighton's first wonder kid in football manager I wonder um but yeah he's gone back to Emelec um but we have made a, an incoming signing um Argentine midfielder Alexis Alexis McAllister uh is he went he underwent a medical uh middle of the week this week and it's signed for around 10 million uh whatever it is whatever the currency it is that we're talking about uh i think it came to about 8 million pound he's uh 20 years old um we've signed him from Argentinos Juniors um and he ha is going to remain with them on loan until the end of the the actual season not the calendar year um and honestly he's He's delighted with the move from the sounds of it. Uh, just a moment ago, my dad told me the deal has been done. Uh, he went and traveled and undergone a medical and got back in time for the next game. Um, he is a central attacking midfielder, uh, primarily. So you would assume um, 
competition for Pascal Gross directly to, in a 4-4-1-1. Um, he, very young, uh, you know, I, I haven't really heard of him ever before. Um, Scottish dad, if you're wondering why he's got such a strange name. Uh, McAllister is not a very Argentinian surname. Um, and honestly, he looks like a really interesting and exciting signing. Um, I mean, YouTube montage videos are always the sketchiest pieces of propaganda for any player. Um, you know, they make Hadiak Mbaye look fantastic. So take everything you see online with a pinch of salt. But he looks a real business. And I believe that we, well, I don't believe. It seems to be pretty common knowledge that we've beaten out a couple of big South American teams. Boca Juniors and uh, others have been beaten out of this. So it's really interesting to see what he does and see what summer... Uh, summer in the preseason reveals for Alexis, and I hope he is one of those who uh, who stakes his claim. So, story number four, um, it's not Brighton-related. Uh, well, it's football-related, um, and that's Emiliano Sala. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, um, which will be not many of you, uh, he signed for Cardiff from FC Nantes uh, in France this week or rather last weekend, um, and on the plane over, which was really just a two-person plane, uh, he went missing off the coast on the channel, um, and no one uh, was able to find him, searches went underway. Um, there have been some pretty, uh, not horrifying, but awful uh, reveals of text messages and WhatsApp voice clips and conversations that he had on the flight of uh, him pretty much fearing for his life. And after 72 hours, they uh, they called off the search. Um, you know, it's just... It just is such a horrible thing to do. Uh, the chances of survival at this stage um, are extremely remote. Um, well, I mean, at this this was this was coming from the, uh, the lifeguard uh, two days ago. So, I mean, the chances of survival at this stage are basically non-existent. Um, the family have raised 300,000, uh, euros or pounds. I'm not sure which one in the currency it is to renew the search. And so they will do that. Um, but you know, it's just, it's, it's as good a time as any to remember that football is bigger than everything else. Um, there's some pretty incredible uh, moving pictures online of the Cardiff fans and what they've done for him. Um, but, you know, our thoughts are with them. The family of Emiliano, uh, the Cardiff fans, the Nantes fans, his family and friends. Uh, yeah, it's just an awful time, and I think it was something that everybody should talk about to realise that there are bigger things than football sometimes. Um so we will move on swiftly um, to the Asian Cup update. Um, and there has been quite some updates to give. Um, Australia beat Uzbekistan on penalties. We were we were about 60 minutes into that game last time I recorded, um, you'll remember. And I watched the last 60 minutes um, because I watched the end of the, f the regulation and I watched the, all of extra time. And... Uh, Matthew Ryan did really well. Uh, he made a great save in the penalty shootout and another one that was, you know, a good save. He, it came straight at him and he didn't move. So, but, you know, saving any, pen or any penalty in, uh, in a penalty shootout is a good save, but he made one fantastic one as well. Uh, and obviously Iran won, so they went into the, uh, the quarterfinals against China. Um, we are now, we've had the quarterfinals have been played. Um, if they had lost, they'd have been back in time for Fulham and the general... 
the general consensus is that uh, if either team were to lose the quarterfinals, there's a good chance they would be back in time for Fulham too. Uh, maybe they'd be rested <coughs> until the Saturday. But the odds are they'd be back. And uh, Iran played China. Um, Iran comfortably disposed of the Chinese team. Uh, by all accounts, China were woeful. And Iran move on to the semifinals. Yahan uh, Baksh, I believe, played around 70 minutes and um, did all right. You know, it's it's valuable minutes for him. Um, it's really, it's such a bonus in a way. Um, you know, Son Heung-min, uh, Matt Ryan, they're players that play, they're players that, Teams really can't afford to lose. Um, and we've really got by with Button, and Spurs are in a big, big amount of trouble now with their injury worries. But, you know, for Ali Razor, it's it's perfect because he was injured, he went over to Iran, and now he's had, you know, four or five games um, in quick succession to really whip him back into shape. And I think he's going to be, you know, Im- almost immediately available for selection whenever Iran finally get out of the uh, the tournament. And if he can come back on a win uh, with a cup in his, under his name, it'll be even better for him, uh, confidence-wise. But the big news came uh, with the Australians. Uh, they were lucky to get past Uzbekistan. Um, they did not have any idea how to break them down. There were a few dodgy refereeing decisions, we'll give them that. Um... But, you know, that's, that comes uh, with the territory of a smaller t- competition like this. But uh, the United Arab Emirates won 1-0. Um, and thus, welcome home, Matty Ryan. Uh, it's good news and bad news, I suppose. Good for us selfish people that wanted Ryan back home and bad news for him because I think he obviously wanted to win the whole thing. Um, they were the reigning defending champions and they've, they're out in the quarterfinals. So welcome back, Matty. Um, I think the probability is that he starts on Saturday instead of Tuesday. I think that Button will get one more run in the team against his old team, uh, Fulham. And I think that Matty will be in for the next one. But, you know, goalkeepers don't seem to have the same schedule as everybody else. I'm sure he flew home Friday, uh, probably rested up all weekend. And I'm sure he's back in training tomorrow on Monday. Um, And, you know, it wouldn't be out of the realms of uh, possibility for him to start. Um, Bad news for those of us who relied on Button for another couple of weeks in Fantasy Premier League. But other than that, welcome home, Matty. Um, I hope you get over your defeat pretty quickly. And uh, and get used to being in the blue and white again because we are delighted to have you back. Um, story number two. Uh, this is this is some drama that has gone on almost all week. Uh, the Sussex Senior Challenge Cup. Uh, for those of you who uh, are in the US or abroad or are newer fans um, who aren't really aware of what the senior the Sussex Senior Challenge Cup is. Um, Every county in the UK has a, uh, a cup competition that every club is expected to take part in. Um, I believe there's a couple that don't uh, and donate to charities of the choices of the co- of the counties and stuff like that. But Albion have historically always took part in the Sussex Senior Cup. Um, 99 times out of 100, they'll be playing their reserves or under-18s. Um, and I'll read a statement Um for you and it caused a bit of a tiz so uh fa competitions take precedence over the sussex senior challenge cup and we actively support all sussex clubs progressions in any national competition this is from the uh the sussex fa i believe um we have scheduled we have in the past rescheduled sussex senior challenge cup fixtures due to clubs progression in the fa builder base bars and the fa build base trophy 
and in this situation, the rearrangement is due to Brighton and Albion FC competing in the FA Youth Cup last night and playing in the Emirates FA Cup this weekend. The decision to reschedule the fixture was agreed in advance of the match with the Sussex County FA and the full understanding and support of Eastbourne Town. Now, there has been a lot of uh, outcry about the fact that we've forgotten where we've come from. Um, we need to, we should have played that game. Uh, how disgusting that we can't even feel a side. Uh, and I think that my message to people is probably get over it. Um, we're a Premier League side now. Uh, you know, it's not about forgetting where we came from. It's about having the interest of our players at heart. And if they truly believed that it was too much for those young players to risk playing them back to back to back, then you know what? Like, they know more than we do. Um, Albion is a community team. They have been for a long time and they have never once uh, squandered a chance to provide for this community, especially since we got to where we are. Um, and I don't think that there was any malicious intent in this cancellation. Um, I would trust them that their reasoning was sound um, and it was probably in the best interest of the players that play for the team, um, especially when development of young talent is more more scrutinized than ever um i'm sure we'll play well we will be playing eastbourne again soon i'm sure that for the most part it will be the under 23s they don't have any games until the end of the month um i'm sure that they'll probably play next week or the week after and they'll play against eastbourne and it is what it is but uh there has been a lot of outcry a lot of annoyed people um again we haven't forgot where we came from in my view i think that people need to just chill out a little bit uh it's really not as big of a deal as you're making it out to be and to the eastbourne fans out there i understand the frustration but you know they they get paid a lot more than we do um this isn't a common occurrence i feel like albion have made enough deposits into the goodwill bucket um to take one withdrawal like this and i think people need to really just take their foot off the gas and relax a little bit um so my number one story of the week, and this came out towards the end of the year, to end of the year, end of the week. Um, Albion <coughs> have completed an astounding, uh, and this was in their own words, uh, an astounding rise into the international Deloitte, Deloitte Football Money League. Um, again, all the sympathy in the world for Merce, and now I'm trying to pronounce these bloody things. Uh, the Deloitte football money league um it's very much a well-respected uh organization that for quite a few years now has really been able to get the markers on who the richest football clubs are their financials working out what's going on um and we have come into 29th place in the global 30 team rich list um they're a london-based sports business group and you know they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of clout in terms of their recognition um and it's really a case of, you know, this is how far we've come. Um, Real Madrid topped the standings, of course. Uh, they are based purely on revenue. Um, so there's no profit loss. It doesn't include transfer fees. It just really includes basic revenue that we make. Um, and 157.4 million euros in revenue last year. Um, you know, we're ahead of a lot of big teams um and i think for one it really just shows how powerful the premier league is as a financial juggernaut um but it also just shows how far we've come we were ahead of benfica um we were ahead of celtic 
Ajax, Galatasaray, um, Lazio. You know, these are these are major teams in their leagues. They're they're playing fo- European football every year. Some of these these teams, um, and it's just quite unbelievable. Um, you know, we're not quite at the level of uh, Real Madrid, who bought in seven hundred and fifty million, um, and. You know, it, again, talking about the financial juggernaut that is the Premier League, uh, both Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham are all in the top ten. Um, six Premier Leagues out, six Premier League clubs out of the top ten financial big boys. Um, but I mean, even Delouette uh, really brought out the point of just quite how astounding it is. Um, Dan Jones, who's one of the guys who runs it over there, um, is quoted, I believe it was in the Argus, uh, I just copied and pasted this little quote because I thought it was interesting. Um, Brian and Ovalbian joined uh, Besiktas in breaking into the top 30 for the first time in the 27-18 season uh, in 29th position. We're on £139.4 million following their promotion to the top tier of English football for the first time since 1983. This represents astounding growth for a club that generated just £1.1 million back in 87 uh, as the 83rd highest revenue generating club in the UK while teetering on the brink of relegation from the Football League. Now, I, I think that was probably a typo, and what he's talking about is 1997, not 87. Uh, but it's really quite astounding. Um, 20 years ago, you know, we were we were 83rd out of 92 in terms of generating uh, football revenue in the United Kingdom. We're now 30, 29th in the world. Um, and I think it's a heck of a... It's a heck of a, it's a heck of a topic to finish the podcast on, um, because for those newer fans, um, it really gives you a very tiny glimpse um, into just how close to the end we were twenty years ago. Um, and for anybody who wants a really good idea, uh, I could recommend nothing better than uh, the book "Build a Bonfire." Um, I would really recommend that for the newer fans if you want to get a real history lesson of the last twenty years. Um, and it also really just shows one more thing, really, and this is what I'll sign off with. Um, we're the 29th richest football club in the entire world, and we have come a long, long way together. Have a great uh, great rest of your week. I'll be covering Fulham, and I'll be covering uh, the game of the weekend, which just flew out of my head. I believe it's Watford now I'm thinking about it. Um, have a great weekend. Have a great week. Be safe. And let's hope we get a win midweek. <laughs>